0: If I can make fun of someone in any way, I definitely will. Even if it gets me fired, they're like, oh, you can't tell that joke. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going with that one.
1: Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know the podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Welcome to the latest edition of Here's What We Know, the podcast of unexpected conversations. And I have no idea what this guy's going to say. And that's why I'm so excited about it. You're going to want to share this uh, podcast and tell everybody about it, because right now, literally one of the funniest people I know. And the truth is, is I know a lot of funny people, but nobody beats Dave Nyland. Dave, how are you?
0: Oh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm embracing my new name, Nyland, because uh, I've heard many variations of Nyho before, but that's the new one. <laughs> How do you so say you it? Thank you very much. How do you say it? Because I've obviously <laughs> been saying it
1: wrong all of these years.
0: Well, it's funny because it's even debated in my family in Ireland. So anyone with the last name Nigel is related to me in one way or another, strangely enough. So it's a bit of an unusual last name. It was originally O'Neill. My dad pronounces it Nigel. The rest of his family pronounces it Neil, And nobody else pronounces it in any way that's correlated to either of those two unofficial ones. So, I've given up at this stage, and this is why I had the imaginary stage name Irish Dave for a long time, because no one could actually say it. So I was like, listen, just tell them I'm from Ireland and leave it at that. And that's why I got the name wrong,
1: because I've known you for a number of years now, and you've always been Irish Dave. You just have, just as I decided that, you know, we decided that I'm Alabama Gary. You're Irish Dave.
0: Well, you were Larry in my mind for no apparent reason until right now. So I'm glad you clarified that.
1: How does a kid from, were you, were you always the guy? Were you funny in school? Were you always that guy? Or was it just, was it a self defense mechanism? Or just did you just enjoy the thrill of making people smile when they're around you?
0: Uh, It's a good question. I think the whole country is just magically funny and our country is built on humor while yours is built on finding out what people do for a living as a conversation starter which freaks us out a little bit. So we don't care about your job. I definitely don't care about your 401k plan or your kids or family that I haven't met yet when I'm getting to know you in Ireland. It's, it's always about, it's kind of the icebreaker is just making someone laugh. Even if you're just going through a toll brute. When I was a kid, my dad would try and get a laugh out of the person just sitting there mind-lovingly born Bored watching cars go by, and he has like you know that thirty-second interaction to give him some money and drive on through, and he will go for the laugh every time. And I don't think there's anything unique in that. I literally think it's the whole country. So yeah, I wish it was some claim to fame that I had, but it was pretty much everyone in my class, and it was tough to stand out in my class because they were all funny, and seven out of thirty people were also called David, uh, which is pretty sad.
1: And, and of course, they uh, were all Irish. Dave.
0: Famous for being called Patrick, they were all Irish. Dave, so if. If I told them that was my geniusly crafted stage name for America that was basically forced upon me anyway, they'd be like, that's a horrendous plan, and I'd have to agree with them. Because there was seven in a class of 30, so originality is not our strong point. When you think about it, we're the only nation in the world that calls ourselves after a racial slur. Like, Patty, Patty is a derogative term, and we know that, and it's still pretty much our most popular name. And we're meant to be offended by it, if used in a certain context. And it's equally my middle name, my dad's name, and my best friend's name. So it's a bit of a confusing one.
1: Well, you know, I love the fact that you would take a name like Padraig, you know, and, and we just give up. I mean, it's, you know, there's a famous golfer named Padraig Harrington. And it's like, you know, for the longest time, he was Patrick Harrington. for Forever. I mean, you know, until he won a couple of tournaments. And then people got around to actually figuring out what the hell his name was.
0: Well, and it was good you didn't rename him Patty Harrington because that's what you did with our patron saint in March every single year. So funny enough, I think my dad used to teach Porrick Harrington at, at one stage, and I love that you're telling me about golf because it's pretty the only thing we're a dominant force in the world about that we know to – I think we had four of the world's top 10 golfers at one stage. Well, if, you can, that-
1: if you can play golf in that weather, in those conditions, when you come to California to play, it's got to be just like, oh, you call this hard?
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, get out there in miserable conditions and darkness, in torrential rain, and see, can you get that ball into hold. hole? Now that you've graduated to advanced level, go to Florida, don't get eaten by an alligator, probably win something. <laughs> it's, 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 when you break it down like that, you're like, we have a bit of an advantage when you think about it. Lush, green, courses, lots of time to practice because there's not too much else to do. And a lot of incentive to come over to the sunshine.
1: What, what has been, because you bring up the fact that, you know, it's kind of horrifying for an Irish person to have to do a conversation where we talk about, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? What is this about that? Is that, what are some of the things about America that we don't see? You know, when you come like this and you've assimilated now, but you had to get used to it, like when your your friends or parents or or, or family come over that you have to go, Okay, now get ready because this question or this is going to happen and you're not used for it, ready for it.
0: Yeah, I get ready just by leaving and I'm like, (laughs) I'm not going to be here. I don't care about this social interaction. Uh, I think that's my normal strategy. But when I get bullied into it and I have no choice, I think I just make fun of it. I remember recently a girl asked me what I did for a living. And I said, well, you know, like north and south up there where the extremes where it's very cold like arctic antarctic and uh, like there's little penguins walking around everywhere she's like oh my god i love penguins i was like All right, relax like penguins walking around and it's slippery cuz it's ice so sometimes the penguins they, they fall over and i was like i stand them back up again that's my job yeah uh, It was so amazing. It was one of the happiest moments of my life when she called her friend and she's like, oh my God, Becky, you're not going to believe what this Irish guy does for a living. He's like a penguin stander-upper. And I was like, that's the true beauty of America. You can be whatever you want to be, even if it's imaginary.
1: How hard is it? I've been meaning to ask this forever. How hard is it for comedians to date? Did they expect you to be hilarious all the time? Do you? Are you hilarious all the time? You know, how does one fight if one's cop, one's whole persona is I'm going to look for the laugh no matter where it's at.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of an awkward one because we will take the laugh no matter what. So the amount of things I've I've said to to ladies over the years that would normally get someone killed, but I think they've just learned to go. Yeah, that's that's. That's fine. He's going for the last there. And I, I guess there's, there's going to be an allowance for it because you will take the last no matter what. You're like, this is a moment where I should definitely not say what's going on in my mind. And before you know it, the words are out on the loose offending people. And and they have about they have a, a 10 second window to weigh it up against past behavior. And they're like, yeah, this is normal. Uh, I'm used to it. So yeah, I think it does take a special someone to hang out with comedians all the time because the conversation could be a bit nuts. But I don't know. I can, I can be equally intense. I like books and I like reading and I like adventurous outdoorsy stuff. So I wouldn't say I'm in comedy mode the whole time, but if, if I can make fun of someone in any way, I definitely will. Uh, even if it gets me fired, they're like, Oh, you can't tell that joke. And I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely going with that one. <laughs> I, I got hired. Uh, someone reached out to me the other day, and they're like, hey, it's an Irish government agency. And I actually used to work for this Irish government agency, and they hated me. They hated me so much that my old boss spent a year of her life trying to get me fired. And then she hated me so much. There was a, an event I helped organize with the Irish president in Seattle and Vancouver, and she hated me so much. She spent government money to Photoshop me out of the team <laughs> photo that she hung above her desk this was in 2004 it wasn't easy to photoshop somebody out in those days you had it but you had to pay money to get access to it and she that's how much she hated me and this company reached out to me the other day and they're like hey we'd like to pay you to come and talk to our team about public speaking and i was like this is a joke surely they remember that they hate me And they didn't. I just made up a number. I'm like, hey, if you pay me that, I'll definitely do it. And they're like, oh, you're in. And I came. And it's one of those situations where you're like, don't tell the story. Don't tell the story of the lady who photoshops you. And I think it was the first thing that came out of my mouth. So. That's, that's the downside of comedy. No matter what it is, you're going for this funny line. You're like, oh, you won't believe how much of a mistake your company has made today by hiring me. Uh, so not a great start, but it it turned out okay.
1: Couple of things. First of all, was the Irish president funny? Was he funny too? Was it? Is it the national character?
0: I love that you said it's he funny too, and that is America in a nutshell, because you haven't figured out that a woman might be a good president yet. Whereas we, we just, America is all about being fake, woke, while Ireland just lives the brand with 21 years of female presence. There's some cheesy trivia here. We were the first country in the whole world to have back-to-back female presence as well, but it was a female presence. Uh, I don't know if she was funny, because I probably scared the life out of her. I, I was responsible for all the invitations to the event, and I invited everyone I ever met. And that included my uncle, who turned up and pretty aggressively hugged the president against her will. And we're not much of a hugging nation. And I think that was part of my downfall in that job where they were like, who did the guest list? And I was like, me. I invited everyone I ever met or was loosely related to, including my old girlfriend's mother, who I sat at the president's breakfast table under the pretend uh, guys that she was the head of Air Canada, which definitely was not true. I love when uh, you,
1: you just called me out for being sexist and it was the funniest damn thing I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: Well, no, I, I called the whole country out, but sure, we're probably sexist as well. When you <laughs> talked about golfers from Ireland, I didn't mention any female ones. So I guess we're even.
1: Well, there you go. I'm just, I'm just saying. And, and, and I, I'm fascinated by this question. You know, when you guys get hired and you had to throw out a price, can I ask you, you don't have to give me money. You don't have to give me dollars. But how do you determine what the price is? Because you're an independent contractor.
0: Yeah, it's a funny one, I guess. And you always feel like you are asking for too much and you nearly forget that it took you 10 years to accumulate that level of, of knowledge. So I only ever got into stand-up comedy because I was trying to get it over a fear of public speaking. And it kind of annoyed me that everybody who taught public speaking wasn't on stage very often. So I was like, surely comedians are better at this than anybody else. And then you nearly, I think the analogy wasn't it for the, it's, it's used a lot, but it's like an alleged. Elect- Comes to a factory and the whole factory is broken, and they call out the electrician and they're, they have him look at the box. And they're like, "Hey, the whole factory is screwed right now. We need you to fix it. We're willing to pay you whatever." And he charges up an hourly, and he just looks at the box, turns one screw, and the whole thing comes on again. And the and the boss is like, "Well, I'm not going to pay you ten grand just for turning a screw that I watched you turn." And he's like, "Well, the ten grand isn't for isn't for the time it took me to do it. It's for the knowledge it took me to accumulate to know which screw to turn." That's what you're paying for. And I think we forget that when we're independent contractors. So sometimes I just throw out a random number and see what they do that's on the high side. And sometimes that works out. I think my favorite thing to do is to ask them, hey, if this was to work out for us now, to save us some negotiation and to make you look like a rock star with your boss and include all expenses and fees and everything and get this signed off on the fastest way possible, what's the number that you could get signed off on today? And both of us will be very happy about it. And you'll look great to your boss. And I I try and let them anchor the conversation first by saying the first number. And and that thing works out better than I've ever expected. And I can't remember what book I got it from. I wish I could tell you, but uh, that works out well. And that kind of sets a price point over time that you're like, all right, well, this is kind of my range. And then you'll add a premium for how much you don't want to do the event. So I probably would have done done this event for any amount of money here in Austin where I am at the moment because it was at my old company and it was just funny. I was like, oh, they used to hate. it. can't believe they're willing to pay me. I'm definitely coming to do that. <laughs> How much yeah, I That, that, is, a, that is a pretty, yeah, that, well, that's a pretty long-winded <laughs> answer, but I think asking them to to make pick a number that makes them look good, that's the most helpful thing I, I learned over the years of that process, which can be pretty confusing.
1: See, now, I think that, I think mean, it also helps, though, I ain't gonna lie, the accent helps, right? Because if I say that, if I sit back and go, "Hey, just give me a number that that's gonna make everybody happy," and let's see if we can work with that, their first thought, especially when you hear the southern accent, they're gonna go, "Oh well, four hundred dollars, you know," and you, were, <laughs> and you were and you were and you were thinking know, like, "Yeah, eighteen thousand, right?" and four hundred dollars.
0: Uh... <laughs> uh, uh... Uh, sometimes that can be the case, but usually I think it's about uh it's about leaving a trail on the internet or your website or wherever it is to make it tr- sure look of something that's high value so they they're reaching out to you not going do we want this person they're asking themselves can uh, is this person available and can we afford them and that changes the dynamic of the conversation a bit but yeah, the accent doesn't help me much in Ireland where I'm like, yeah, oh, that'll be twenty grand and they're like, get out of here, go back to America I. Right
1: well i'm I'm just saying I I think I've told you this story before I went to college and there was this kid from England who was in my dorm and he just he He slayed the girls, he just slayed them and and he was not a good looking man. He had the typical i shouldn't say i should say stereotypical english teeth is is that fair is that fair and and but well any, any
0: abuse of English people is historically accurate and fair, and even if you use the word slaying in its more vulgar term, that's also very much linked to colonialism, so everything you're saying is correct at the moment and historically accurate. If he was just slaying the Indians for their slices, you'd be like, Yep, yeah, that's accurate. These were irrelevant in that slaying scenario.
1: How about if I say he was disarming their defenses with a charm overload?
0: Yeah, that would work. Although it's not believable when they're English. If you said they were Irish, I'd be like, Oh yeah, that works. Charm. <laughs> charm and English doesn't go together unless you're Prince Harry. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm just saying with with the girls that I grew up I went to college in Alabama right and they, so they heard my accents just like me, you being in in Ireland they're not going to be impressed with the accent but all of a sudden he goes oh exactly. oh, oh Mary it's so nice to see you I and mean, that sounds a heck of a lot better than me going hey Mary, what's up yes yeah, no, <laughs> I agree with you there. so it, it definitely does
0: no harm it's not, it's it's an advantage in every aspect of life when you live in America until the moment you call your automated customer service line. Then you're in a world of trouble because it's just me screaming at a phone. I tried to write a book once using Dragon Dictate. and That just sounded like me abusing software.
1: (sighs) Okay. We're going to get back with more about living in America with Irish Dave right after this quick break. So I want to tell you about our new sponsor, The Gym Guys. I have been working out with them for over a year now. It all started with a pandemic and there was no place to go. The gyms were closed, all that kind of stuff. I found The Gym Guys because they come to you. The commute is theirs. Isn't that one of the worst parts working out is you have to factor in the commute time? Not with The Gym Guys. And it's more motivating. It's one thing to say, I'm going to work out today. It's another thing if you know, like, I have Luciana coming over today at 1115. I got to be ready for it. And And then they change the workouts up for you. They give you an app so when you're working out on your own, you know how to do it right and what you're trying to do. And they also give you access to a nutritionist. It's all there for you. You can take it as, you know, if you're just starting your journey, or maybe you want to take your journey to the next level. Maybe we've got a contest on how you can win 100 free sessions with your friends and coworkers. It's at TheBiggestMover.com. TheBiggestMover.com. But you'll find the gym guys on the web. G Y M G U Y Z. Okay, so when did you move to America, Dave?
0: Me, I, I went over forced I didn't exchange, I oh, know I didn't, I uh, did a student visa with the intention to come to Boston, and when we got there they're like, you're never going to get a house for seven students for the summer in Boston, you need to go to the intellectual hotspot that is Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, uh, up there you can live free or die, and we said well... that sounds sounds pretty feeling to seven Irish people who are planning to drink excessive amounts for the summer and go completely nuts and it it turns out that statement was complete false advertising I think I was I might have been pulled by the cops for an open container violation within about 45 minutes to get into Hampton Beach, New Hampshire with their (laughs) live free or die Um, but that was that was my first move to New Hampshire, and I said, right, this is great. I don't plan on living here again, and then I came back with a better plan. So I went home, finished my degree, because I didn't want to end up uh, in Seabrook, which was a town that I worked for while well, just outside New Hampshire, which was pretty beautiful and pretty scary all at the same time. I worked on a whale, whale-watching whale boat. I have no idea how I got that job. I'm like, what do you know about whales, Irish guy? And I was like, absolutely nothing, deadly, zero. I will happily be in charge of these trips for you. Uh, So uh, some some people got some very inaccurate, mammal-orientated information over that summer from a mildly intoxicated Irish person doing his best to live free or die and make it back to Ireland afterwards. But that's when I first got here. And then I got the job with the Irish government and that's when I came back over and they they got me a diplomatic lead, which was a, a horrendous mistake for them. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, and then I, that was my, I didn't want to go home after that for a while. I got used to living around the Bay Area and bouncing around America. So, yeah, that was back in the student exchange. It was in like 2000s, I think. And I came over with the Irish government in 2004.
1: I would pay money right now to hear you do a whale-watching tour after a couple of pops. I would. That would be the best pop. That'd be possibly the best day I've had in decades.
0: It was It was the most confusing place I ever worked also because not only was I mildly intoxicated, I worked in a nightclub until 3 a.m. The whale-watching boat left usually at 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning. And everybody who else who worked on the boat, including the captain and the priest, for some reason, who narrated to them, were gay as Christmas. And I didn't think priests could be gay until that moment. And I was like, well, this town, is so confusing on so many levels. There's definitely a lot of people here that are inbreeding. Uh, the whales are a distraction from whatever weird insanity that's going on in their existence. And I'm somehow part of this excursion on a daily basis. But yeah, it, it really got me. I was always into the marine stuff. So I, I, I was going to leave America and go study marine biology in Australia. And I think they rejected me and the University of Queensland based on something i think i was missing some science-based subject and then i but some stroke of lunacy i bought a one-way ticket to latin america ended up on in honduras and i got a job on a whale shark research boat and that was a whole other level of blagging my way into a job because well you can get away with not knowing about whales but when you're throwing people into water with sharks of any variety you should, probably should know a little bit and I, I was not good. The, the technique, you would have paid to see that one. You might not have appreciated because the technique for finding whale sharks, unless you have a spotter plane, is usually just to find a large shallow a shadow in the water and throw everyone in on top of it. So like day number one, I found a large shadow. I'm like, I'm doing really well. This lad who was seven beers in at this moment, a German guy in a period of Speedos, because it takes a while to find them, and my boss was trying to make money at the same time, so he was happily selling beer to anyone who wanted to drink it. This German guy was stereotypically behaved like it you would expect in this moment. He was wasted, couldn't wait to get down to his Speedos, jumped in the water, swam in the wrong direction, and then looked up me he's like, this is a tiger shark, and I was like, oh, am I in trouble? And I threw the whole boat in on top of a tiger shark. And thankfully, nobody got eaten in that incident. But yeah, when you say you paid to see it, I'm not sure if you'd really want to be part of that. There is a risk element that you're not factoring in.
1: Yeah. Tiger sharks, meat eaters. Whale sharks, krill eaters. I'm good with whale sharks. I mean, I'm okay with that. You might fall in, but they're not going to eat you. You can swim your way back out. They're not going to eat you, but they do have
0: two penises the size from your elbow to your fist. So if you swim in the wrong direction, anything could be happening there. (laughs) Those are interesting facts. for today about
1: whale sharks. <laughs> Look, who knew when you tuned into the podcast, you had no idea that you were going to walk away with half the study of ichthyology right there. I mean, you you're halfway to your ichthyology degree.
0: I don't even know what that word is, but I like the sound of it. And it sounds like something that an online university in America could happily sell to 20,000 people without even blinking an eye.
1: Well, it's before, it's before we decided to call it marine biology. The study of fish and fish, uh, those creatures, was ichthyology.
0: Oh, I did not know that. Look at this. Look at the facts that are just dripping out of this podcast. Oh. This is a true learning experience that has disappointed in all humor elements so far from my behalf and just replaced it with trivia.
1: <laughs> what what was your what was your experience with American food when you were trying to live for your die in New Hampshire?
0: It was interesting because I spent most of my time trying to find something without peanut butter on it. You have taken it as a national pastime to cover and to ruin fine products of the world like chocolate that have no business being combined with peanut butter. Just so stuff putting peanut butter on everything. Uh, it, that was the biggest challenge. I was like, God for God's sake, stop ruining breakfast cereal. Like, oh, and then you see Lucky Charms and you're like, oh, this country's scared. <laughs> then you... Oh. It's, it's an interesting one for food, but I mean, you, you have so many options there. But yeah, I I was twice the size by the time I went home. I was like, America is making me a bigger unit considerably by the minute and I need to, need to avoid peanut butter because it's not a protein. No matter how much you've been lying to people, that did not make you more muscular. I know you like to believe it. It's the same, it's the same imaginary facts you have with sweet (laughs) potatoes. We know about potatoes in Ireland. Sweet potatoes are going to make you fat. They're not healthy. They're still potatoes. Take it from a potato expert.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping my wife listens to this podcast because she, she makes our kids when we go out to eat dinner. And if they have hamburgers, she makes them order the sweet potato fries because they're healthier.
0: I do the same thing. Americans lied to me. I'm getting fatter every week, and I blame it on excessive consumption of sweet potato fries under the assumption that they're somehow magically healthy, even though they came with a burger that, thank God, was not covered in peanut butter.
1: God, I love peanut butter. Oh, God, I love peanut butter.
0: No, oh, because it's a protein, just like protein chips and protein popcorn and all the other fictional products that Americans have written the word protein in front of and feel good about themselves. I don't know why we're obese in this country, because you're putting the word protein in front of the stuff that makes you fat.
1: Now, you, you say that is from Ireland. I was watching this Irish cooking show one time true story that doesn't that does not exist the guy starts off he gets his his iron skillet you know to the point where it's starting to turn red right because it's so hot and then he takes it had to be a half pound of butter and throws it in the thing and it evaporates you know very you know not evaporates but it liquefies and then he starts cooking and it's like well we can't do anything until we throw in the half pound pound of butter and then then we'll start cooking whatever we're going to do
0: well, and there you hit the nail on the head. That, therein lies the exact reason why there are no Irish restaurants around the world. We'll give you our pubs all day, every day. But if I say I open this great Irish restaurant, you know who's coming? Nobody. Not even my own family. That's, that's going to be a statistic real fast.
1: <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever been to an Irish restaurant. It doesn't it exist.
0: I got drunk once, and by mistake, in a moment of misguided patriot action, I climbed up on what I thought was an Irish restaurant and stole the flag, and I woke up wrapped in an Italian flag the next day. Someone laughed at me and said, there's no such thing as an Irish restaurant, and that was the moment I realized that is completely accurate.
1: (laughs) The lasagna wasn't a clue? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> the, the, the spaghetti I didn't go in I, I was in the middle of stealing it without permission so I, I was not worthy at that moment and I was in I was succumbing <laughs> to all stereotypes I was drunk enough not to be able to see lasagna even if you hit me with it <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, I I don't have a lot of time with you because you're so busy. So I want everybody to know that because they're going to wonder, you know, why. But, I mean, can I ask you, how many how many dates do you work a year? How many how many shows are you putting on? And that includes your speaking engagements.
0: Yeah, uh, well, thanks for making it sound like I'm busy. I'm not really. I just <laughs> happen to be today. Normally, I'm just sitting around pretending I'm doing stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't, the speaking engagements I try and shy away from because it's just simply not as fun as doing comedy unless it's a really cool event. Um, and then, you know, if someone says come to our yurt on the top of mountain Utah for no apparent reason and we'll pay you handsomely and then you're going snowboarding. I'm all into those kind of ones. Um, (laughs) without question, but yeah, the the comedy, we get very busy in March when everybody cares about Irish people for one month. And then after the year, it's not quite as hectic. We go for one month. America goes mad looking for Irish people. Like, where are they? We know we're here. Do we know any anyone has a radio show or a comedy club, nightclub, anything like? Need someone Irish, loosely Irish. We'll take fourth generation with a German accent and clearly someone who's a Mexican in a very confusing hodgepodge of loosely Irish relations. But I'm, I'm probably not as busy as you think. But I, I did like 22 cities, I think, in March. So I was I'm definitely get more busy. I blame social media for that. I had to. I had a terrible plan of posting videos on there, and then people started watching them and writing to me. And now, I didn't know that you don't write back. So I I wrote back to absolutely everybody up to when I got past like 200,000 followers, I think, on Instagram. Up to that moment, I wrote back to I was treated like letters. I'm like, oh, well, they took the trouble to write this. They're clearly insane, but I I better write back. I don't want to leave them hanging. They can see I read it. Uh, So I did that and people kept turning up to the shows and they're like, well, you wrote back to me. I'm like, well, that's what I meant to do. Isn't isn't that how it works? And they're like, well, not usually. And so now I've stopped. So I'm not as busy as I was. But for COVID, by God, was I busy writing to dogs and strangers and people who sometimes turned out to be completely lovely. Uh, on the internet there so that will keep you busy if you write back to every lunatic who writes to you on the internet that is a full-time job in itself that does not pay so don't go anyone listening looking for career advice i strongly advise against taking that road
1: unless you get hired by a big-time celebrity like irish dave uh, to write back on his behalf there's there's a business there did you know that
0: yeah but what a crappy thing that is like The amount of people that do that in the world, I'm like, just what's the point? Why would you be pretending to be someone that's just, yeah, I know they do it. People do it to me. I'm writing my friend and some imaginary assistant in Pakistan writes back. And I'm like, "Eh, I'm dyslexic. And I'm like, I still can. That is not English. There's no way those words go together. How much cocaine is this celebrity doing that I'm trying to write at the moment? That they're writing to me in some form of Pakistani dialect of English that I am not familiar with but yeah I, just, I, I can't bring myself to do that i'd rather just say nothing as opposed to hire someone to do it you might as well do it yourself like it's interesting the opportunities it can it can throw up are bonkers or some of the comments i was making fun of cycling one day and some guy wrote in the comments you made fun of my whole you made me question my whole existence and it was uh it was a uh, chris room four-time tour de france champion and i was like well if I can stop another British person from winning things on a global scale. I've done my bit as an Irish person. So um, you never
1: know what can happen. Because I, I, I reply to all of my social, but I don't have 200,000 followers. So it's easy for me to write back, and and I'm usually I, just the one-line one, should, one line I thing. just
0: pick that number out. I pick that number out of Scott. May or may not be accurate. Don't you, feel good about it. I'm totally fine with zero followers, too.
1: If you haven't seen his videos, you have to look them up. Because I know you will. After listening to this podcast, you will. Because this is just a little small taste. And when he says he's not busy... He has just lied to you in your to your face in a wonderfully charming accent because I've been trying to arrange this conversation forever. And he's oh, I'm catching a plane, Gary. I've got to be here, Gary. I got to do that, Gary. And you know, I have always told you you're invited on my show, and it doesn't have. You can come on July 4th. You can come on September 14th, October 12th. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. No, thanks, Amelia. Yeah, it's a great. We feel very special when we're not just for March. <laughs> You know, it's like it's like when you adopt a puppy at Christmas and then nobody wants him in January. That's what Irish people feel like in media circles in America. They're like, it's April. What are we doing? They're like, nothing. See you again next March."
1: Not here, buddy. Not here. And and I do. Can I can I just drop this little tidbit? You're getting ready to go because you're doing something with the, the, the person who helped create the Joe Rogan podcast. Is that OK for me to say? I mean, that's big time, right?
0: Yeah, I mean he's very nice, and they they run like a kind of secret lineup show in a place called the Vulcan in in Austin, Texas, where it's, where it's pretty much you'll find Joe Rogan doing comedy nearly every Monday and Tuesday. But yeah, it can be it can be a very fun show.
1: Wow, way, are you going yeah, to Brian Redman Cool show. You're going to go on the Rogan podcast. Is that going to happen?
0: I doubt it, uh, because they have no clue who I am in history, and I'm not media savvy enough to know which weed to smoke while lowering the stock price of a company, which I don't have. So I don't think I'd have anything of interest to anybody, but if the invitation's there, I will turn up and do whatever they
1: want me to do. Uh, just give me a shout-out. You don't, even don't have to say in. my whole name. You just say, hey, gear, or say, hey, Alabama gear. That's it. Yeah. That's all I got to do. <laughs> I made it. look. I'm, I'm going to do
0: it in a charming English accent just to make sure you get flashbacks.
1: <sighs> Dave Nihil. <laughs> Irish Dave. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you were better. You know, sometimes you sit back and go, I hope this guy's as good as I hope he is. And then there you comes along. And I, I, I'm, my throat hurts because I've laughed so much these last 30 minutes.
0: Well, it's not hard to make you laugh In first. You, you arrive already laughing. You're like the dream audience in comedy. And I don't think I've said anything that makes even my logical sense so far of any entertainment value. So I'm, and I'm, I'm ecstatic for the enthusiasm that you're throwing me unnecessarily. And I will happily accept it.
1: <laughs> Listen, hey, I can't wait to share the whale shark story. <laughs> the whale tours in <laughs> live free or die new. Hampshire. Okay. i down from New Hampshire.
0: I, I, that place screwed with me for years. Like they, I didn't know people made cakes out of here that were not just chocolate. I went to a party. I love chocolate. They're like, do you want some chocolate cake? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. Never heard of weed chocolate cake. I woke up like a day later. They'd arrested every single person in my house except me. I was like, why didn't I get arrested? They all have these cool arrest feeds from New Hampshire, live free or die. Was, and they're, they're all proud of them. Like, Where's mine? They're like, they tried to move you, but nobody could get you off the couch. We literally had a party around you last night. Cops showed up. You didn't wake for any of that, even though you were in the middle of the party. And tried died to pick you up to check, and you realized they couldn't move you and left you there to sleep off your special chocolate. And so it, was, it was pretty funny. Finally, I did end up getting a, a misdemeanor thing for being drunk in the own house. It was a bit strange. The cops came knocking at the door. We had a security guy who lived next to us called uh, Tony Dove, which in Gaelic-Irish means Black Tony. It technically means Blue Tony in Irish, so I think we were ahead of the curve on being correct with naming terminologies, but we switched the letters on our door for his door, and so he called the cops on himself for noise, and we... We just sat there laughing, waiting for the cops to show up for ages while they were searching his own home. It was a very enjoyable moment. And then they figured out, of course, we had done it, came knocking at the door, and Americans made me drink alcohol through a funnel, which I did not know was a pastime in your country. And I, of course, they challenged me, so I had to try and win, right? The pride of the nation is at stake here. I had 12 natty ice beers through a funnel. Yeah, oh. and it, yeah, that is that is not good. And I was holding the struggle when the cop came out the door, and he's like, Hampton Police, open the door. I'm like, I've seen cops. They need a warrant. And he did, he did not watch cops because he just kicked in the door. He's like, where's the guy in the gray shirt with the funnel? And I was definitely that guy. And so I thought... I finally got my sheet and ironically, my mother thought it was so funny because all the facts on this or sheet were wrong that she took out a wedding photo with my dad and proudly hung it on the wall at home, which will show you the true love that she has for my dad. And that was my New Hampshire living for your die. But yeah, there wasn't much living for your die going on there.
1: Can we do this again? I'm going to publicly ask you right here and put you on the spot. Can we do this again?
0: Oh, anytime. I have no one else to speak to. So, I mean, if you're calling, no one calls phones these days. So, if you just ring me and you're like, hey, I'm recording this conversation, work away. I'm only happy to talk to anyone. Keep getting text messages with emojis and I'm dyslexic. So, I'm like, oh, not another text message. It's going to take me four hours to reply to it. They're going to think I really did hire that person in Pakistan and I'll be in all sorts of trouble.
1: Thank you, my friend.
0: No, thank you very much. That was a pleasure speaking to you. Cheers for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us this week. If you loved this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.